So we're looking at Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and before all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to, to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Uh, let me start by praying. Heavenly Father, your words are indeed powerful. Thank you. We get to come together now uh, to praise you, uh, to speak to you, and to humbly sit under your words uh, to understand you, uh, to know you more, so that we would live uh, rightly before you, live our lives enjoying you, responding to your words, because life is most enjoyable when we live in obedience to you. So please guide us this day. May your Holy Spirit powerfully work within us, turning us away from sin that we might identify in our lives today to right living for you. And may we have joy in response to knowing you and learning of you today. Amen.
So have you ever really wanted something to happen? Not something that's a once-off, but a regular change in your life. You might have really wanted a new political party to govern, or really wanted a wife or a husband, or really wanted that particular job, or really wanted to be the best in your class. The list can go on. We might have noticed that these two people in the story, two disciples of Jesus, really wanted Jesus to free Israel or redeem Israel. They had believed Jesus to be the Messiah or Christ, God's promised king. So they, like many Jews of the day, expected Jesus to overthrow the Romans so that Israel could be an independent nation, not under their rule anymore. But this didn't happen. Instead, Jesus was murdered. Now let's just refresh our minds over what has happened so far in Luke's Gospel. Jesus, well, he's able to forgive sins. He spoke of the Son of Man who came to suffer and die, then to rise again. Jesus taught his disciples of the cost to follow him, the need to persist in prayer. And Luke has just taken his readers through the final days of Jesus. Jesus was mocked and beaten, then murdered on the cross. He was then buried, and then Luke records for us that he rose again. Some men, probably angels, who were at the tomb, said this to the women who came to his tomb. It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified and rise on the third day. Now these words hopefully sound familiar because Luke recorded these words a few times earlier in his account. Jesus, who is the Son of Man, came to suffer and then die and then rise again. Well now, in this passage for today, Luke wants us to see what happens when Jesus meets two of his disciples on the road. Before we delve into the story, let me give a framework for how I'm going to explain what is happening. So firstly, the truth of Jesus to save her as we consider this story. Jesus is the king who needed to suffer and die, then enter into his glory. And there are four key parts to the story. Wondering about Jesus, Jesus in history, Jesus explained, and then Jesus revealed. So let's see how the story unfolds. Firstly, wondering about Jesus. So the same day Jesus rose from the dead, two of his disciples were walking on their way to a village called Emmaus. Now I already like this story because it's so quaint. Walking as a mode of transport from one place to another is not so common now. But I like the idea of going for a walk with another person and discussing along the way. And there seemed to be vigorous discussion happening. Seemingly they were arguing about what happened with Jesus. In their wondering, their discussing and arguing, something quite startling happens, at least for us. Jesus appears and starts walking along with them. Now verse 16 is critical. But they were kept from recognising him. A more literal translation reads, but their eyes were restrained from recognising him. Well, in the context, it is not that the disciples couldn't actually see Jesus physically because they are aware that a man is walking with them, but they couldn't identify who he actually is. God is actively preventing these disciples from recognising who Jesus is. Why is this happening? 
Well, let's continue in the story to find out. Jesus now speaks to these disciples. What are you discussing together as you walk along? Well, this does not go down well with the disciples. They stand still from walking and their faces are downcast or sullen. One of the disciples, named Cleopas, offers Jesus an answer. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Well, these disciples don't understand why this fellow does not know about what has happened in Jerusalem. Well, Jesus' response certainly would have shocked these disciples even further. What things? So Jesus is playing the I don't know game. He certainly wanted to find out what these disciples were discussing. And what is the response from the disciples? about Jesus of Nazareth. Note, not Jesus the Messiah, but simply Jesus of Nazareth. Well, we now move from wondering about Jesus to Jesus in history. The disciples now recount who they think Jesus is, his final days, including after his death. The disciples describe Jesus as a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And notice here, just a prophet. The disciples recall that their religious leaders handed Jesus over to the Romans to be sentenced to death. The disciples say something quite important, which is that they had hoped Jesus was the one who was going to redeem Israel. The disciples don't think Jesus is the Messiah because he died. To them, he's just another prophet who has died. Well, the disciples keep going and they say that this is the third day since Jesus died and some women of the disciples went to the tomb and didn't find Jesus' body. They speak of the vision of angels who said Jesus was alive. Then some more disciples went to the tomb and found the tomb empty but no Jesus. Well, Jesus' response to them is firm. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Jesus doesn't waste his words. Jesus knows these disciples have read the prophets of the Old Testament, but they didn't believe that these prophets spoke of the Messiah who would suffer and die for the people. So what's needed is an explanation from Jesus. Jesus explained. Jesus said, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Jesus did make predictions of his death and resurrection in Luke's gospel account, but he described himself as a son of man. At other times, when there was mention about one who suffers for the people, it was in reference to a prophet. Six different occurrences in Luke's gospel prior to verse 26, and none of them actually about a suffering Messiah. Yet Jesus claims that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things referring to his death by crucifixion, being mocked and beaten, but not only that, also to enter into his glory, which is referring to Jesus' resurrection and then ascension into heaven. Now, all the prophets, and actually all the Old Testament, does not have any reference to a suffering Messiah. There is reference to a Messiah who will conquer and destroy the wicked, such as Psalm 2. But though that's the reality, there is more language used by God to describe his plans. And just because there is no language of a suffering Messiah in the Old Testament is no excuse for the Jews or for us. Jesus has just definitively stated that the Messiah must suffer 
then enter into his glory. So Jesus proves this by going back to the scriptures. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. Now, we don't know what exactly Jesus referred to in the Old Testament, which were the scriptures of the day, but I have just two passages which could have been some of what Jesus shared with these disciples. So firstly, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11b to verse 16. God speaking to King David. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So the Lord God speaking to King David and from his offspring will a kingdom be established. The throne of his kingdom will be established forever. Now there were kings after David, but none of them lived to have a kingdom forever. And there were many kings who did wrong, and they were flogged. Now Jesus, well he's actually a son of David, from the line of David. These words are fulfilled in Jesus who is the Messiah God promised. And he proclaims that the kingdom of God is near. Through Jesus, there is an eternal kingdom with God. Jesus never did wrong, yet he suffered floggings from men. Jesus bore the sins of humanity at the cross and was punished, though he never committed sin himself. And Jesus rose from the dead to demonstrate his victory over death and then through his ascension to accept the rule of his kingdom forever. Secondly, Isaiah, chapter 53, verses 3 to 6. God speaking about his servant. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. These words are about the servant of Yahweh. There were many servants of Yahweh, the Lord, who did suffer for doing his will. But these words, too, are fulfilled in Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus was despised and rejected by men. We didn't value him. Yet Jesus bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains. He was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we are healed by his wounds. 
the Lord has punished Jesus for the iniquity of us all. Now these are just two passages from the Old Testament. But both affirm that Jesus is the Messiah who needed to suffer, then enter into his glory. So do you believe Jesus is the Messiah who needed to die to forgive your sin and rise again to give you life? Well, let's just finish up the story. So Jesus and the two disciples, well, they approach a village. And the disciples urge Jesus to stay with them, and he does. And this is the moment when Jesus is revealed. Jesus was at table with them. He took bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it and began to give it to them. Now you might have noticed that Jesus is the one acting as the host rather than the disciples. But more than that, does this image remind you of anything? Well, this reminds me of Jesus' final meal with his 12 apostles before his death. He broke bread and offered wine as symbols to remember his approaching death. Jesus also provided for his people by feeding the 5,000 who came to listen to him. And you might also go back further and remember God's provision for his people, the Israelites, when they were travelling through the wilderness, the desert. He provided bread for them to eat. It was after Jesus began to give bread to the disciples, the eyes of the disciples were opened. They see because they understand that Jesus is the Messiah who needed to suffer and die, then enter into his glory. Jesus gave his body for them. The disciples can now recognise who Jesus is because it seems as though they believe that Jesus truly is the Messiah. And at that moment, Jesus disappears. Now, interestingly, the disciples ask one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I wonder if anyone here has felt that when hearing God's words. Have you ever felt your heart burning from hearing the words of the living God? A feeling of knowing you are learning about the most holy God, perfect and pure. A feeling of knowing your sin before our most holy God. Well, disciples after that, well, they go to meet the apostles and they also believe the Lord Jesus has risen. And the disciples tell the others what they experienced. I just find that to be a gripping story. And also find this story useful in thinking about my own life and how Jesus revealed himself to me and more generally to humanity. I too have talked with many people about who Jesus is, thinking about the facts and evidence of who he is, but that's not sufficient. I needed to have God's words explained to me to understand all that Jesus fulfills and accomplishes for us. Only after that was Jesus revealed to me because Jesus is revealed in his words. Yes, creation around us reveals God's glory, but simply believing in God and disregarding Jesus is not sufficient to be at peace with God. We need to know Jesus to be at peace with God. Do you know similarities in your own story? Well, let me suggest 
three responses for us to this story in Luke's Gospel. Let me repeat a question I've already offered. Do you believe Jesus the Messiah needed to die to forgive your sin and rise again to give you life? Many people have died, but something is significantly unique about Jesus' death and then his resurrection. When people in the world say, and maybe you've said it, do what feels right to you, or just do more good works than bad works and you'll be fine. Well, what do you believe? You believe in yourself being the king. You think you know more than God. Or when you know you've done something wrong and offended your spouse, a friend, or a work colleague, but you just don't want to admit the wrong and apologize seeking forgiveness. What do you believe? Well, you believe you call the shots, that you are the king. I will define what is wrong and what I did was fine. Well, I have no confidence in myself to be a good and righteous king. Without Jesus, I would still be dead in my brokenness. Though I live now, I will die and then stay dead. But with Jesus, well, there is power to respond to wrongdoing with humbleness and compassion out of love for God. Jesus is God's promised king. Trust in him and remember how his humble sacrificial work in dying to forgive our sin and rising and to give us new life transforms your decision making. So when you're feeling weak, know and believe in Jesus, your king, who has come to give you an abundant life. You might not physically experience abundance now, but you will in the new creation. When you are in conflict, remember that Jesus died to forgive us our wrongdoing. We can forgive because Jesus has forgiven us. Believe Jesus is your king. And when you are successful and being arrogant about it, well, remember that Jesus is your king and your success is only possible because of him. Don't desire power, but desire to know God's power on display through Jesus so that you live with humbleness and not arrogance. Be generous since he was generous to us. Believe Jesus is your king. Secondly, as you read the Bible, or if you're not reading the Bible, then I urge you to start reading God's life-giving words. Read with intentionality. Read to understand the context of the day, but don't forget to see how Christ Jesus fulfills what you're reading. Every book of the Old and New Testament points us forward to Jesus the King. And pray that God would open your eyes to see how Jesus is revealed in the Scriptures. Only God can reveal himself to us. We are blind unless God opens our eyes. Read the Bible in the light of Jesus, our majestic King, and as you do, be prepared to explain to others. Jesus was willing to take the time he had along the walk to Emmaus to explain the Scriptures to the disciples, particularly all that is in the Scriptures concerning himself. So think about what you're learning from God's words and how that can be explained to others. You can actively read the Bible or tell a story from the Bible and seek to point others to Jesus. You can speak of what Jesus has accomplished for us through his sacrificial death and glorious resurrection.
And as you do it, be empathetic. Understand people and what they believe. But people do need to hear about Jesus. Without trust in Jesus as king, well, people are on the path to hell. So just as the disciples needed to believe that Jesus is the Messiah who suffered and died and then rose again into glory, so we need to assist others to know that the scriptures testify to this. Finally, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples when he broke bread with them. Jesus died and rose again to welcome us into his kingdom. So let's respond by being hospitable. Be hospitable to one another and open your house. Share a meal with others. Share a meal with your neighbours or strangers. Be intentional with your hospitality. Jesus broke bread because he knew when he gave the bread to the disciples, they would finally see who he is. So pray that as you offer hospitality, you will be able to share about Jesus and or ask questions to understand the hearts of people. The Holy Spirit can transform hearts. So pray for courage in doing this. We want people to see and know who Jesus is. And we can even be hospitable as a church and invite people to join us. The Lord's Supper is for those who trust in Jesus as their king, but we can still call people to turn away from living for themselves, to live for Jesus, so they can join us in the Lord's Supper. So the three responses in brief. Firstly, right belief in Jesus your king transforms your decision making. Two, explain God's words and direct people to Jesus Christ. And three, be hospitable because of what Jesus has done in welcoming us into his eternal kingdom. It was necessary for Jesus the King to suffer and die, then enter into his glory. Let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, how great are your plans. And we can come before your words now and just have a clearer idea of your purposes in sending Jesus. That your son Jesus came not to be a conqueror, not to be a conquering king, but he came to suffer, to die, so that our sins could be forgiven, that we could be at peace with God. And he powerfully was raised from the dead to demonstrate victory over death and to accept his rule as the king as he ascended so that we can have great encouragement that as we learn these words trusting in Jesus as our king we have security forever our eternity is secure and this gift we, we didn't deserve but you've graciously given eternal life to us peace with you Father give us the courage to be able to explain who you are to others to encourage one another in 
what we're learning of you. Work within us by your spirit to enable us to share our lives, to be hospitable. And Father, will we keep remembering day by day that though we may still sin, we, as we keep looking to you and believing in Jesus, your son, that he truly is the king, that you would transform our decisions and that our decisions would more and more be in line with what you want for us. Give us deeper desire to know you. And may that be an encouragement for us as a church and for people beyond us. In Jesus' name, amen.